continue through the book of James, we continue to find ourselves grounded in the Word of God, or at least that is our goal each, at least one, my goal each week is that we would be grounded in it. We wouldn't just be hearers of the Word, but we would be doers of the Word. And this is where James comes in. He, he is, I believe, soaking, and like dripping wet. You know, the other Friday, we had a horrific rainstorm. You guys, you know, not this past Friday. I think it was the Friday before that. Two Fridays ago, you guys told me two Fridays ago. And um, I am convinced that the wind and the rain was coming from the north, south, east, west, above me and below me, all at the same time. Okay, I'm not sure how that is possible, but it didn't matter what direction I faced, there was rain in my face. And I have a decent raincoat. Um, it's not as good as it used to be 20 years ago when I first bought it. And I found out that day how not good it was. With it. I mean, it is one of those, uh, it, I have worn it while uh, canoeing. Uh, and uh, not, you know, not to know you would ever do this to anybody that you could with, but intentionally try to tip a canoe. Oh, that look on your face. Since you probably did, huh? No? You know, Dan, you would never intentionally lift a canoe of your brother's just in front of it, would you? No. Because you were always kind and courteous and loving, right? Sure. And working with teenagers, there were many times, it was their mission on that day to see how wet I could get. And I knew if I wore this rainbow, I could end up in the river. And I would still be dry with whatever was covering, as long as it didn't get up and in. Okay? But last Friday, I, there was no such thing as staying dry. And, and sometimes that's how... We, 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 you know, I say that to say I came back here and I was dripping wet. It took the rest of the day for my jeans to dry out. I put my, I took my shoes off, put them in front of the radiator, made sure I came back to this back room to turn the heat up. You know, so I'm sorry, Rusty, you know, I used a little more heat that day to, to dry everything. Well, the same is true with the book of James in the sense that he is dripping with the words of Jesus. It's as if they swirled all around him. He's dripping with the words of the Old Testament prophets. And especially again as we get into uh, this section of James 4, 11 through 5, 7, or 5, 6. We see that it, it's dripping with what Jesus says. So there should be a lot of similarities you will find in your devotions, whether you pick them up in the app or on our website or uh, the hard copy. You know, we're in the book of Luke this week. For many reasons, I think James is remembering some of those words, but we see here this reminder that we know of only too well. Life is fragile and short. I mean, Ella Rose is one. Can you believe you had a one-year-old Maya? Jenna, the twins turned one win. June, you got three kids under the age of two, don't you? Because Owen's not two yet. 
He's already too high to get to be that old. <laughs> no way. I told I turned to Eliana this because she has a birthday coming up. I said, I'm not old enough to have a seven-year-old. And she goes, Dad, Daniel's 11. <laughs> so that's my point. I'm not old enough to have my youngest six-year-old. Life is short, but life is also fragile. We have a list of prayer needs. Of the fragility of life. Of the fact that things happen in a moment's notice. And the question, and James is reminding the church of the early days of that, but he's also asking, I think, this question. How will you, church, or how will we, church, be different during unexpected moments of life? And not just the unexpected moments that are negative or tragic, though we will have those, but also the unexpected positives and blessings of life. And, and James is saying many of things here, but if we were to take the words of James serious, we would be ready, willing, and able to live differently when life happens, whether good or bad. There would, there would be this idea of integrity, and that's the desire of James in the book of James, is to live a life of integrity where you are consistently the same every single moment and experience of life. Where you're not like he describes the person of James 1 that is tossed and blown by the winds, by the wave of the sea. We've had some pretty strong winds lately. You know, Alicia and I were doing our walking last night and I'll tell you, it wasn't too bad if we walked just from a church street up to 36, down to Springfield Street, and back to Plum. That was an easy walk. It's when we turned on the Plum Street towards the house again that it hit right there. And if we weren't careful, it would almost take you back. You know, and so we kind of continue to persevere in. We don't want to be tossed and turned by every little event that happens in life. This is why he says to pray for wisdom, but he also says to live out one's faith. And as he comes into these final moments of his letter to that early church, he's reminding the church, you and me, that we need a life of integrity. And to do that, I believe we need what is called a biblical worldview and foundation, where we think biblically about all things which is going to be different than our world. Our world is becoming more and more like first century uh, Christianity, where we're living in a non-Christian world, where we're living in, at least in America, a post-Christian nation, where the normal person time uh, we come across in the street will not know of the things that we know of, will not have our same values. And so we must be careful there. Oh, I mean, right at the outset, I, I want to kind of—I think James is talking about this, but we need to be careful with quote-unquote Christian talk. You should have seen a uh, spell check this morning when I wrote the word Christianese, and not knew what it meant. You know, where we talk in such a way that it's such Christian talk that it is completely like a separate 
language to someone. And there are times we won't be able to get away from it, nor should we get away from it. But if we are not careful, we will talk in a way that people will just go, I don't even know what you mean. Or the Christian talk, as it comes into this chapter this morning, is where it comes from where he says uh, in verses, you know, 14, 15, you know, in particular, when he says, instead you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will do this or we do that. If it's the Lord's will, Lord willing, and I say that quite often. And it's a good thing to be reminded, but sometimes if we're not careful with our Christian talk, we will say things that we really don't mean. We will say things that if we really believed it might mean we would have to act differently. And this is the point of James when he says, tame the tongue. Be careful how you talk with the idea of if it's the Lord's will or Lord willing. Sometimes that can be very similar to our phrase in Jesus' name at the end of a prayer where we tack it on as a way of saying, I've, I've got to hedge myself. You know, I've got to make everything I've just said okay. And what if it's the Lord's will? I think it's just an add-on. Like adding a little salt or pepper to something that tastes okay already, but maybe just needs a little more. Even words like, not my will, but yours be done. If it's the Lord's will. You see, if we don't have a, a good foundation, if we are not careful, we will say those things, but as James says, then our lives will be the ones, will be the things that will testify against us. James 5, 2. Three, your wealth has rotted and mobs have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. The corrosion will testify against you and eats you like fire. These are people who claim one thing. They may have even been willing to say, the Lord might bless me in this way, but their act was different. We must be careful with our talk. And we must remember, as James says, there is a law. And the law is the great commandment. Who can quote the great commandment for me? This is to James the whole essence of the law. It wasn't just to James, was it? It was Jesus himself who said these words based out of Leviticus 19. Love your neighbor as yourself. The royal law, James says in chapter 2, verse 8. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. And here we see in these verses the idea of the royal law, the law of God. And we see what happens when we, we do not live a life of integrity, when we're not careful about how we talk. Because the truth of the matter is God notices the treatment of his image bearers. Those who bear his image, who are the image bearers of God? Who's we, Joyce? 
The people. Is it just Christians? The Christian people. Are we the only image bearers of God? What? All. In the beginning, God created male and female. He created in his image. This isn't just Christians, you and me. Though this, this chapter is, is uh, given to Christians. But God notices the treatment of his image bearers. How you treat one another. You will never meet someone this week who is not made in the image of God. How will you treat them? Will you treat them as you would want them to treat you? We call that the golden rule, but it's the greatest commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. And here in the book of James, we see the issue going on is, is they were judging one another. Now, this word for judging in verse 4, it can give us a hard time to go, that we shouldn't judge, we shouldn't judge. And sometimes the throne in the face of the people of God is, don't judge me. The issue wasn't necessarily they were the, the judgment that was coming. There's a sense that Jesus says we ought to know a tree by its fruit. That's an act of judgment. In fact, even the fact that James is saying don't judge is an act of judgment. What is the issue then? He's not talking about anything goes, because he makes it very clear. Not everything and anything is okay. What he is saying is the issue is judgment without grace and mercy. He talks about slandering one another. He talks about speaking against a brother or sister. It wasn't just pointing out they sinned necessarily. It is going around and making sure everybody else knows the story. Or maybe just saying enough of, I'm not saying this is going on, but, and planting a seed of death. We live in a world that is getting really good at slander one another. Or we'll just even say, well, they might want this or that. We plant that seed of maybe they can't be trusted. Now, this isn't saying there isn't time for healthy conversation within the body of Christ, and even maybe disagreement. But it's a time when we, as the people of God, are using our mouth to do the same thing the world does, gain power and to dehumanize anyone else. <clears throat> Just enough goes a long way. And when we do that, we forget who is in the place of control. He talks about judging, and when you judge, you judge the whole law. We must remember that God is over all. The churchy, the Christianese, the Christian language for that is God's sovereignty. God is over all. He is the lawgiver. He is the rightful judge. Now, there are times when he will delegate that to his people. Paul makes it clear in his letter to Corinthians that we ought to make judgment among ourselves. But when we do that, we must remember who is the right judge. And that is the Lord himself. Grace, mercy, two terms that go hand in hand. Very kind of 
the idea of, of grace is, is getting what we do not deserve and mercy not getting what we do deserve. And, and, and sometimes they happen a lot together with that. How are you judging one another? Is there grace there or is there a harshness? I love uh, on, on Sunday nights with the teenagers we've been walking through the, the Chosen series to get up to kind of interact with Jesus, uh, you know, in a different way. And, and though I realize there's artistic elements there, it is uh, very accurate in a lot of ways to Scripture. And, and this past week, we watched where Jesus is getting ready for to say the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, the lady, the women followers uh, of the time wanted him to wear uh, a little pop of color, and one of them said, you know, you're, you're a little rough around the edges. You know, and Matthew, as they depicts as he's writing down what became the Sermon on the Mount, talked about how Jesus, there's a lot of hard stuff in that sermon. A lot of not uh, touchy-feely kind of things in some way within that. And we must remember that in our judging of one another, are we giving grace and mercy? And are we realizing that that may be us as well? That we have only been delegated this. That God himself is over all. As we continue on, we then read in this chapter about, about these rich people who need to weep and wail because of the misery that is coming. We read what they're doing. The issue here was hoarding stuff, but hoarding stuff at the expense of someone else. It wasn't just they were rich, but if you read here, they were rich and, and they, they failed to pay the workers who took care of their fields every day. And goes on to call them very, very horrific things, murderers and the like. See, back in those days, unlike in our world today, where you get paid maybe every week or every uh, two weeks or monthly or whatever is set up, in those days, you needed your wage every single day in order to survive. And what was going on was, uh, what was happening with these rich people and the landowners at the time was this idea that they would make the workers work, but they would withhold the pain just for a little bit, just because they could. Not because they didn't have the money, not because they couldn't pay them, but it was almost as if their way of saying is, you will know where your food comes from. You will depend upon me solely. And they had all this stuff. Yet they were willing to let their little peon workers, so to speak, suffer. Maybe just a day or two. Nothing big we might think. But it was truly the difference between life and and this is why James also says in, in verse 17 of, of chapter 4, if anyone then knows they could, they ought to do it, doesn't do it, it is 
sin for them. It wasn't like these landowners didn't know what was expected of them. They They weren't living a life of integrity. I know I always already said this, but God notices. God notices this. And in our in the NIV it says, the cries of the harvestmen had reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. I think we need to see this almost in one translation says the Lord of hosts. This idea that God has readied himself for battle to go against these people because of the treatment of the poor, the oppressed. I think we need in our current day maybe the question that comes out, at least the question for me that comes out is as, a, as the people of God we need to be asking not how little can we pay someone, but what is it really worth? Just because we can doesn't mean we ought. Especially as business people and people that oversee things. Just because we can doesn't mean we ought. How else do we withhold the good that is due a worker? Are we willing to speak good of someone because of the good they have done? Are we willing to notice what is happening to the poor and the oppressed? Are we willing to get to the point where we ought to know the good we do? Or would we rather be ignorant? Because we need to be reminded that God is over all. He sees. He notices. He, he will hear the cries of the oppressed of the poor. It's throughout all of Scripture. The prophets, one of the biggest things they had against the nation of Israel was its leaders no longer heard the cries of the unfortunate. They had all their stuff. And they failed to meet the needs of those around. We must be careful as the church that we don't just have our stuff. There's nothing wrong with stuff. The issue wasn't that these were rich people who owned lands who hired others. It was the fact that they hoarded it in such a way as if to put their faith in it. No wonder Jesus would say these words that I can drip from these pages. Do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow has enough to worry about itself. You don't worry about what you will eat or drink or what you will wear. But worry, he would say later, about he who has power over life and soul. Store up for yourself what? Treasure not on earth where moth and rust can destroy. But instead, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Where moth, more rust, or pest can get to. What is your foundation in life? I have here, uh, we bought uh, a humidifier the other month. You know, uh, and, and I don't think those of you online are going to be able to see it, but you know, those of you here can maybe see there, there's a little bit of a mist that comes out, right? And most of you see this. 
Daniel, you see it especially. Let Daniel be your eyes, especially Joyce back in the back, you know. Uh, you know, Daniel, you see that, right? How quickly does it stay around? Not very quickly. Not very quickly. Did it stop? Mm -hmm. Oh, now it's back. Nice trick, huh? Gone, back, gone. Like a miss. What are you building on? Is it something that's going to be like that missed him a hit once? Oh, good. And then be gone. Well, it hit. And be there. And then in the next second, be gone. When unexpected things that happen, whether it's good or bad, we must remember it's like this mist from this humidifier. That it's there, but then it's gone. Unless we build it upon the rock. The rock of Jesus, which is that consistent flow. And we must remember to build our lives on Jesus. This is what James is saying over and over and over. The rock of Jesus. And when that happens, you know how fragile and how short life is, but you're not living for that. You're able to handle when an unexpected good thing happens because of what you have built it upon. You see it as a resource to do the will of God. And then also when not so great things happen, you're able to, to deal with it differently because you understand that life is fragile, but you have an understanding of the one who is over life. That's why we sung the song that was well this morning. Not because it is always well with what happens, but because we understand the one who is over all. And so we can say, it is well with our souls in all ways. It is no wonder that I think that the book of James, James as he's writing these things, would have had this prayer of Jesus in mind. When the disciples asked, how should we pray? Jesus said, you ought to pray this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. If it is the Lord's will, he says. But it's a realization that the Lord's will is being done now in heaven. Because the next word is on earth as it is in heaven. Regardless of what you may think, I don't know that it matters if when we get to heaven, whether we look down and notice that it's 24 karat gold or not. It doesn't matter. Whether it's literal or not. What matters is we are there glorifying Christ. We are with our Lord. We are praising Him in all things. It doesn't matter if I'm stepping on coal or, coal or gold. It doesn't. And we are to do that now as it already is in heaven. Where we hold all the things of this world loosely because we're holding even tighter to he who is over the world. And he would go on to say, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us what we need for today. Now it's Jesus against planning and saving. No, he would later go on to say, if 
you're going to do something, won't you count the cost? But we can never let our retirement accounts or our savings or the things of this world get in the way of doing the will of the Lord. And then he goes on to say, and forgive us our debts. How? As we forgive our debts. Or as others say, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Hmm. That's going to hurt. That's going to hurt. Because if you're like me, maybe you're not, and I, I hope you're not like me in a lot of ways. What, what, it, it, but if you're like me a little bit, man, it is much easier to ask for forgiveness than it is to give it. In fact, Jesus would go on to say, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, your Father will not forgive yourselves. We need to have a good understanding of forgiveness. Since why James is saying, do not judge. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or from the evil one. And then this reminder, for yours is the kingdom. It's not our kingdom. It's his. For yours, O oh Lord, is the power. It's not our power, but it is his. And yours is the glory for heaven and death. And when we say amen, you know what that means? So be it. It's not just a nice little way of saying goodbye or goodbye. So be it. So be it, O oh Lord that our lives would reflect this prayer. So be it, O Lord, James would say, that you understand who God is in such a way that you will love one another, that you will be reminded that your life is just a mist. Here, one day, gone. The next. Unless you know Jesus. And then as Jesus says, even, if you die, you shall live. Are you storing up treasures in heaven? Treasures of the one who is above all. Are you building your life on the foundation of the rock of Jesus? Or are you building your life on something else? As the old song says, all other ground is shifting sand. All other ground is shifting we pray with you. Father, God, we thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you for being able to be in your word. Lord, I ask that you would help us now to live this out. That we would not just uh, have heard these words, but that I and all who hear it will now be different because of it. And so, Lord, may we be your people this week. May we uh, be careful how we treat one another, both in the people of God, but also those outside, for we all are made in your image. May we not take advantage of one another. May we do the good that we know we ought to do. And may we extend grace and mercy to all who come in contact with. And may we come to realize that you are Lord over all. 
and that when we submit to you in big ways and small ways, you always know us and you always guarantee us a return on that investment of humility and submission to you. We thank you and we love you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.